0: You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories Patreon bonus preview. If you like what you're hearing, stick around to the end to find out how you can get more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 1032 of Hillbilly Shorts. What's up, everybody? So Tracy, you were missing yesterday in action. Yeah, I do one without you.
1: I know you did. I appreciate you doing that.
0: Well, it is what it is. I do what it takes to keep the show moving along. There you go, baby doll. All right. Have you ever heard of the Texas White House? Ah, no. I am completely obsessed with Fort Worth since we went there. Oh, yeah? So now I keep finding all these cool places that we didn't know about before that I wish now I knew about. But we really didn't have that much more time. Yeah, we didn't, unfortunately. They have a place called the Texas White House. Okay. The Texas White House was originally built in 1910 by a man named Bishop. And it was built for a house for his son. His son, though, chose not to live there, and Bishop sold the house to Mr. and Miss William B. Newkirk. Now, they raised their four sons there, and they remained in the house their entire lives.
1: I mean, was Bishop's feelings hurt because his son didn't want to live there, I wonder?
0: I don't know. Dang! I mean, I would think, I would think, if I built a house for my son and he even move into it, Damn, I mean, but,
1: that's so rude. But we but don't know ahead. the situation. That's Maybe true. his
0: son had intentions on moving out and being in New York City or something, well, and I built him a house, and like I told you, I was moving to, you know, I don't. <laughs> so over the decades, after they passed away, several different businesses operated in the old house, including a restaurant called the Texas White House. Nice. So it was a restaurant. In 1994, Grover and Jamie McMaines they bought the house and they converted it to a bed and breakfast and had all kinds of modern amenities in it. But part of the past still persists, particularly an annoying part. Oh, no. Most of the paranormal activity reported in the Texas Winehouse takes place in the Lone Star Room, which was William Newkirk's room while he was still alive. Grover McMaine said that three women have had encounters while staying in that room alone. One was sound asleep when she was awakened by someone's back pressed against hers.
1: Oh, man, no way.
0: She was petrified. She laid there perfectly still while her unwelcome bedmate started to crawl out of bed. So within a few seconds, the lady mustered up enough courage to kind of roll over and see who was in the bed with her. Oh, my gosh, no way. But whoever it was was gone. How... Terrifying as that <laughs> another woman sleeping in the low- Star room had a very similar experience. She was awakened when she felt someone get into bed with her. She quickly turned over to see who was there, but she too found that she was all alone. Oh my gosh so Just a few seconds later, her cell phone began beeping, which it had never done before. She was so hideous, apparently she never had text or anything. Oh, stop I'm just
1: Wait, what year is this?
0: You're enough to have cell phones. Okay. So.
1: (laughs) I thought you were just pulling me. No.
0: The third encounter occurred in 2009 when a woman who had booked the Lone Star Room returned to the hotel in the evening after she'd been out shopping all day. So while she was getting settled, she felt the presence of someone standing in the corner of the room. She did not see anybody there, so she went to bed. That night, though, she felt someone lying in the bed with her. When she turned on the light, she discovered that she was all alone. This guy's a pervert, man. But these are three different women with the exact same account. Yeah, so
1: you know something's up.
0: The next morning, she told Grover, that, all over. <laughs> <laughs> Grover that she had shared the room with a friendly presence. Her eyes grew wide as the innkeeper informed her that the two other women who had had ghost experiences in the same room. And I'm guessing they didn't think it was so fun. (laughs) She says it was a friendly experience, and the other two were petrified. Oh,
1: maybe she got a little action. You're
0: so... (laughs) Guest books on a nightstand in another of the bed-and-breakfast haunted rooms, the Texas room, are full of stories of visitations and strange occurrences. In February of 1997, a woman who had just awakened from a restful night's sleep discovered that the crystal on her watch face was shattered. The watch remained sitting on the nightstand right where she had left it. So it never moved from the spot, but yet somehow the face got busted on it during the night. The next night the ceiling fan started turning on on its own. There was no air coming from anywhere any of the vents that could have moved the blades and the windows were shut.
1: I mean, I'd been okay with that. I know you would have.
0: Another woman who stayed at the hotel in September of 2008 said that she was awake at 3am by feeling that something was lifting the covers off of her feet.
1: Now, see, I don't know if I would rather have somebody laying beside me or have that happen, because that would freak me totally out.
0: (laughs) Most people believe that the ghost in a Texas White House is the spirit of William B. Newkirk. Perhaps he's kind of laying claim to the room where he lived and died, so he died in that room, too. One cannot rule out the possibility, though, however, that Mr. Newkirk simply craves female companionship. It sure sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Grover McMahon suspected that the something odd was going on in the house after two women's reports of ghostly presence climbing in the bed with him. Well, yeah, I would think.
1: I mean, so once, I mean, I know you're continuing on, but, I mean, did the person that the, these women told that to, to believe them?
0: Or? Yeah, because this is the guy that ran the inn. He, he was uh-huh. like the owner, current owner. None of the guests who've had paranormal experiences in the old house has been terrified. It says that, but then it just said earlier yeah. that the girl was petrified. Yeah. That's kind of the same, same thing. Yeah. No one has ever been so frightened that they left, McMaine said. It's just the opposite. No one has ever asked to change rooms. They're thrilled if they get to see a ghost. Mm-hmm. I'd McMahon, be down. McMaine said that his wife, Jamie, has also sensed that they are sharing their home with a ghost. One time when I was gone, she made the bed in the Texas room. When she came back in, it looked like someone had sat on the bed. She didn't even think about it. She just figured that she hadn't done her job very well. So she went back in and straightened out the bed. Later, when people started telling her stories about things that had happened to them in that room, Jamie remembered that experience. (laughs) McBain's himself had made contact with the spirit in the house just before the writer interviewed him in July of 2011. Three times this week, I heard someone moving around the house, McMaine said in the interview. I assumed that it was my wife because no guests were staying at the hotel at the time. The first time this happened, I got up from my chair. I tried to find her, but she wasn't there. I thought she had gotten up from her nap and got a drink of water and gone out. I walked outside to see if she was in the front yard, but she wasn't there either. I went upstairs. She wasn't there. I finally found her in bed taking a nap. Maybe the ghost is picking up on her habits. <laughs> McBain says he doesn't mind the publicity that the Texas White House has received over the years because of the ghost stories. Like many innkeepers, McMaines has discovered that ghosts are good for business. Many of the accounts in the guest book in Texas room are written by people who booked that particular room in hopes of encountering a ghost. I told the ghost stories to some of my friends who ran Bed and Breakfast, and they said I shouldn't publicize them because ghosts were bad for business, Grover said. Actually, it hasn't been negative at all. I've been very pleased with the guests' reactions to the ghost stories. Well, good for him. But I I see what they're saying because a lot of people, especially, you know, when the ghost hunter shows and stuff came out, it, it made it cool. But before then it really wasn't cool at all. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Mackey, when we interviewed him the other day inside uh, of Bobby Mackey's at the live event, he had kind of made mention without saying it. He kept saying that when I asked him if he believed in ghosts, when he bought it mm-hmm. then, and the things was happening, because his wife, I believed it. and they were on the Jerry Springer show. And he said, then he didn't believe it. And she said, she did. But the reality of it was, you're talking about the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, this is not the recent Jerry Springer show.
1: Right. (laughs) It's when he had some class.
0: Yeah, yeah, they were out there talking and then somebody threw a chair at him and I'm just kidding. (laughs) But the reality of it is, Bobby didn't want to mention ghosts, and he told Carl, the, the the caretaker there, not to mention it because he did not want to hurt his business. Right. He didn't want people not coming to his place because it was haunted, but that's the way it was looked at back in the 70s and 80s. It didn't have that appeal that it does now. Now you can have a business, and people will come there specifically because it's mm-hmm. haunted. Now but look yeah. how famous it is, yeah. you know? Yeah, but that definitely wasn't the case back when he was getting started, so mm-hmm. I can understand why, you know, some of these innkeepers that talk to right. this gentleman would have would have said, hey, yeah, that'll kill your business. But, no, that's true. Yeah. So it's a matter of, of timing. Like I said, in, yeah, the, in you, the late 70s, right. early 80s, people would have been petrified to stay there. And they, they might have killed your business. Mm-hmm. But in today's world, it's like you got a whole market just for that. I, you are absolutely right. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We love you. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 1208. Fibbley Shorts. You said, hey, guys. So? Oh. And? <laughs> I could have slurred my speech once in a while. I don't drink, and I just want to know what it's like. But I'm
1: used to hearing your Peter Brady voice more than that low tone.
0: Damn yeah, but I cut those out.
1: Tone loke. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
0: oh, hey, guys. All right, so we were talking about tragic deaths yesterday that lead to hauntings. This one's called An Accident Creates Trauma. A client recently brought me another case with a similar cause, but quite different manifestations. When she called me on the phone, she said that she was in a terrible state of confusion and could not seem to get her thoughts clear. We met at my office, and she explained that for the past few months since moving into a new home, she had not been able to unpack some of the boxes, which were still in the garage and on the floor of the house. She felt as if something else was in the house. Although she saw nothing, she did hear a few strange noises. She could not identify the sounds or trace them to any human or physical force. She had not told her husband about her feelings. She had nothing concrete to describe and did not want him to think that there was anything wrong with her mind. Her real concern was her mental confusion. She was a college graduate, a teacher, and an intelligent person. She had always considered herself to be in control of her life. Now she felt as if her head were stuffed with fragments of unfinished thoughts. (laughs) Welcome to my world. Don't even tell me about it. She found it almost impossible to hold on to an idea and carry it through to completion.
1: Again, me.
0: (laughs) As a result, she could not accomplish anything even household tasks such as unpacking the boxes from her move. She could not control the wild thoughts racing through her mind. At times, it felt as though she were literally flying apart. I suspected that in addition to a spirit occupying her house, a discarnate entity had invaded her. With some hesitation, I suggested that she might be possessed. That's what you want to throw out to somebody right off the bat.
1: Mm, I don't know how to tell you this, but yeah. And I know I did it. I know. Sorry.
0: (laughs) She responded at once with a sigh of relief.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, thank God. I'm possessed. possessed.
0: (laughs) She admitted that she had thought that this might be the problem, but she was a little hesitant to suggest it.
1: Oh my gosh. wouldn't Wouldn't you be?
0: Yeah. She was an excellent hypnotic subject. In a matter of seconds, I guided her into a deep, altered state of consciousness. I asked if there was anyone in her, or with her, who could speak to me. Immediately, she spoke in a voice, not her own. Oh, yes. Yes, help me. Please help me. I don't know where I am or what happened to me. I'm so frightened and I can't find anyone to help me. No one will listen to me. Aww. I directed the speaker to... Go back to a time before he became so frightened. Tell me what had happened to him. He said, you see, what had happened... He not say that. Oh, no. He reported that he was walking along a dark street alone. Then something hit him from behind. That was the last thing he remembered clearly. From that moment on, he remembered nothing but confusion. He did not know where he was. He could not figure out what was going on. Finally, he saw this nice lady. She seemed to be a kind person. He thought she might be able to help him, but she hadn't. She didn't answer him when he tried to talk with her, any more than anyone else had. It is interesting to note here that, while it was true that the woman was a kind, loving person, personal problems problems involving certain members of her family had kept her in a state of, of emotional confusion for some months. A combination of her nurturing self and her confused emotional state had attracted this young male spirit. Although she had been coping with her emotional state fairly well on her own, without any mental confusion, she was vulnerable. And when the spirit and his his mental turmoil actually invaded her energy field, she took on his feelings.
1: Which is why she was feeling confused. 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 Mm -hmm.
0: Because he obviously died with... Brain trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. So that would have caused him to be confused, and she was picking up on that. I conversed with the with this confused spirit for about a half an hour, explaining to him that what had happened and what he could do about it. Now, he was responsive and receptive, but very hesitant. He did not feel that he could walk into the light. He was not quite good enough. Oh no. I continued to encourage him to open his eyes and look at the light, explaining that anyone can do that. Finally, I used a guided imagery to describe a path with flowers on both sides and a light at its end. Finally, he was able to open his eyes. He told me the path was beautiful. If it was all right with me, he thought he could walk into it. Then followed one of the more touching experiences that I've ever had with a spirit. He finally told me that he was ready to go into the light and said "thank you oh thank you thank you so much both of you here i would like to give you a flower to show you my thanks" with this statement my client's arm rose from the arm of the reclining chair she extended her hand towards me as if she was giving me something i reached out and took whatever was whatever it was and said "thank you" the spirit responded immediately Thank you. Thank you both again for helping me. Goodbye. My client, still in her altered state, said, Oh my, what a relief. I feel so good. I am so happy for him. He was so relieved. She came out of her trance state, and we talked about her feelings. She said she felt absolutely wonderful and could not find the words to describe the difference in her mind. She felt as if all the fragmented pieces had come together again. She could think clearly. A follow-up a year later confirmed the, su- the success of her experience.
1: How amazing!
0: So that's pretty cool. That's a
1: wonderful story. And
0: I've never, I've never heard a story where they used hypnosis mm-hmm. to, uh, I guess, talk about an attachment or a possession. It's usually like a past life regression or something like yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Or I to relive
0: ha- a tragic memory that you've suppressed.
1: Right. I was hypnotized once. I know. You do? Yes. what I do?
0: I'm sure you've told that story on here. I have never. You. I'm pretty sure you did. Oh, well, don't you tell it again. You took off your bra or something. <laughs> Is that right? Am <laughs> I right?
1: Well, yeah, but we all went mm-hmm. backstage That's... and we put it on the outside of our shirt. Oh, I didn't remember that one. No, I didn't get naked or anything, but then we went out to the audience and we we thought we were monkeys or something and we were picking bugs out of people's hair like literally picking at people's heads and eating
0: bugs it was awful one of my exes who shall remain unnamed gina she (laughs) she had an experience like that to where she was hypnotized on stage at a comedy show and i can't remember exactly what she did but she was so embarrassed by this she wouldn't even talk about it
1: uh i think i did something embarrassing that i don't remember because it was at a casino, a show at a casino. And as I, as the show was over, I was walking out, and uh, some guys were high-fiving me, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, what did I do? And I don't know. Um, there's a tape of it floating around here somewhere, but I don't know where it is. Hopefully, it's destroyed. Hopefully. Hopefully, it's destroyed.
0: Because that now, could be. Now I'm going to be on and track to
1: find it. It was like people in the audience said, like I worked at a dental office and they were patients of mine. <laughs> are you kidding me? That's so embarrassing for my soul. And they were, every, every time they came up, every time they came into the dentist, they reminded me of it. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, well. Oh, well. Those are good old days.
0: All right, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, guys. If you like what you just heard... We do six of those small bonus episodes every single week. We also do two full-length bonus episodes every month. We do a listener stories episode and then a story that's just like the ones you would typically hear on the regular feed. If you're interested in supporting us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com and look up Hillbilly Horror Stories or go to hillbillyhorrorstories.com and there's a direct link right there. Thank you guys so much for what you do for us.